Amen. Uh, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, church. Thank the ladies for singing that song. Aren't you glad that they didn't wear their masks when they were singing? You could hear them nice and clearly. And, you know, I've been thinking that there's actually some good things about wearing a mask. You can yawn and nobody really notices. And you don't have to brush your teeth as often. Or maybe I'm just thinking like a teenager. No, but praise the Lord, we can gather together this morning. And uh, speaking of teenagers, uh, we had our Friday night ministries come back on Friday night. So uh, Awana, uh, which is now Impact Kids and our Impact Youth, um, started up Friday night again. And that was good. We all had our masks on. That was interesting, different, but still good to be able to do what we did together. And uh, it was always good to uh, cream pie face Alvin. So <laughs> we had a... We had a cake decorating competition and the uh, prize was to be able to pick a leader who wanted to put a cream pie in their face. So Alvin got chosen that. So he had to take his mask off for that and then, you know, that all happened. But it was good, good times. So thanks for praying for our, our Friday night ministries. We do do more than just muck around. Uh, we do share the word of God, but I hope you'll keep praying. Uh, good to hear from Pastor Hernan as well this morning. And uh, as he said, just please keep praying for them, pray for them to be able to find a house up here and uh, all the decisions that's happening down there in their church as well. Uh, so continue to pray for them, uh, pray for one another. But we're going to read a little bit this morning. I uh, thank Glenn for reading in Revelation. There are good verses about heaven there, isn't it? It's good for us to think about heaven and look, to, look towards heaven. But I'm going to pray this morning and then we'll have a look here uh, about a heavenly perspective. So let's just bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, once again that you are a good God and that, Father, you've called us together this morning to hear from you and to worship you. And, uh, Father, we thank you that you meet with us today. We thank you, Father, for all you've done this past week, uh, for your provisions for us and our families. Uh, Lord, we do admit that everything we have is from you. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that we can use it for your glory. Father, I do pray that you would guide each one that could not be here this morning. I pray that you'd help them if they're unwell or away, Lord. We just pray that you'd be with them, bless them, Lord God. Uh, but Lord, we also ask that you'd be with our time together this morning. I pray that you would help me uh, to relay what you've shown me in your word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that everything that takes place this morning, that you'd be pleased with it, uh, that your people would be helped, Lord, that would be encouraged, and uh, that we could use these things uh, for your glory. Father, we thank you. Uh, for our church, we thank you for Pastor Hernan and his family. We pray that you continue to help them and guide them and give them wisdom in decisions that they make. We pray that you make their path straight, Lord God. And our Father, we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're in Genesis 1. Uh, we're going to read a verse from there in just a moment. But I always like to ask questions, and I wonder this, if you've ever thought or if you've ever asked the question yourself, are we going to be bored in heaven? Are we going to be bored in heaven? Are we, we sung a little bit about heaven. We, we read those verses in Revelation. Uh, but I wonder if that's ever crossed your mind or you've had someone ask you, are we going to be bored in heaven? Because we're comparing things to, to what we know on this earth. And if you think about it, in heaven there will be no movies to watch, no sport, or maybe not the sport that we play down here, no theme parks. That's a sad thing. I like roller coasters. Uh, no digital devices. <laughs> All the teenagers got sad. Uh, no comfortable beds. No caramel lattes on oat milk, John Chong. Uh, no birthday cake. 
Yeah, see, yeah. you're used to having cake every week. That's why he said that. Uh, no birthdays. Not just cake. There's no birthdays. And there's no end. It never ends. Now, there's been many times that I, as a Christian, have sat there thinking about eternity. And, and you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Bible. I believe that, you know, everything it says is true and there's promises to look forward to regarding heaven. Um, but I've sat there, thought about it, and I'm like, Okay, I'm going to be there for, you know, 10 years and 20 years, 30 years and 200 years, 300 years. And the longer I think about it, I'm just being honest, the longer I think about it, I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, and, and I start to get a little bit worried, like, am I going to get bored? Am I going to... And that might sound stupid. That might sound really ridiculous because like, oh, well, God's going to be there. It's going to be perfect. You know, he's got things planned, all that sort of stuff. But... As a person, I, I think like that and I get a little bit like worried about it. And I think part of that is because everything that I know in life right now has an end. Everything, everything at least runs out, uh, it, it wears out, it breaks down. Uh, there's an end point to every single thing that we know. So we expect that end. But then when you think about heaven, though it's like this perfect, wonderful place... We, we can't comprehend that, or at least I can't comprehend that, that there's no end to these things. And, and you know, there is no cake. There, there, is no, there is no roller coasters, all that sort of stuff. Um, and why don't I get bored after 10,000 years, even though in Amazing Grace we see, you know, that's just when we get started. But we have these kind of thinking, this kind of thinking. And whether you're a Christian, knowing you're going to heaven, or someone that's wondering about whether it's worth finding out about heaven you've probably had this same thought, or at least a, a similar thought. So it's worth looking into this morning, talking about heaven and how we can look forward to it and how we can, how we can do what the Bible says about our approach to heaven. Uh, so I'll say this, one way for our human minds to understand and appreciate heaven as a perfect place and a place to look forward to is to actually look at how imperfect we are. Because it's very difficult for us to, to consider perfection when we are already imperfect ourselves. So even our, our mind and our understanding is, is imperfect. So for us to try and consider perfection, it, it's really difficult for us to do that. Um, I saw just the other day, I, I, I follow, uh, I think it's Answers in Genesis on Instagram there, they had a post about hummingbirds. And they said that secular, secular scientists and researchers have found that through testing, they've understood that hummingbirds can actually see colours that we can't even see. They can see a spectrum of ultraviolet colours, uh, all sorts of different ultraviolet colours that we can't see. And they've said that though we can, we can find through devices and stuff, we can see ultraviolet colours, um, what they can see might even be new colours that we, we, we can't even understand, we can't even explain or, or consider what that would look like. So, and I was just thinking about that. I'm like, wow, there's, there's, that just shows how corrupt we are. That just shows how good God is, that there's just things that we, we can't even understand what a new colour looks like. like. How do you explain what a new colour looks like? You can't. So how do we explain what heaven is like or how do we look forward to heaven? Well, sometimes we have to appreciate something perfect by seeing how, how corrupt things have gotten. So I want to start there this morning. And firstly, my first point is that we need to see the corruption. We need to see the corruption to have a heavenly perspective. And I wonder if you've ever considered that eating fruit, veggies and grass could taste better than most of the foods that we eat today. 
Now you're in Genesis 1. Have a look down in verse 29. This is after God's made many things. And he says in verse 29 of Genesis 1, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, that's including grass, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. A staple part of our diet. Now, he's not saying it's the same as meat that we know, but it's saying that this grass and, and herb-yielding seeds and you know fruit and veggies, that's your staple diet. That, that's what Adam and Eve were supposed to be living off. That's what they were supposed to be eating. They were going to be eating grass. Grass was part of their, their three-meal plan of the day. And I wonder if you've considered that that grass could taste better than what you and I are going to eat for lunch today. Because things have been corrupted so much that the grass right now does not taste like the grass in the Garden of Eden. The fruit that we eat right now, when we put a fruit platter together, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you like honeydew melon, but you're weird. Um, but you put a fruit platter together and you know it's not going to taste anywhere near as good as it would have in the Garden of Eden. And like we don't even eat grass now. Like you know, I let my guinea pigs eat grass. I'm not going to eat the grass. I'd probably do it for five bucks, but I'm not going to put it on my plate as a meal. But just think about it: that the corruption in our body and in this world has changed a lot of things, has changed how we view a lot of things. And look down in verse 31. It says, "And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good." Now, I'm going out on a limb here and I'm going to say that we would all agree that grass does not taste good. I'm sure that there's probably no one here that would say grass tastes good. But God said it was very good. It was good for Adam and Eve. It was good for them to eat. Uh, It was perfect. And God didn't give a perfect environment with bad tasting grass. So something's happened between then and now. And, you know, many of us understand this, but the fall of man is what happened that changed how we view eating grass. Sin came into the world. Corruption started to take its effect on not just our bodies but also on the earth. There was a curse on the earth. There was a curse on on mankind that we were separated from God, separation of mankind from God, the beginning of corruption. So suddenly a perfect creation started to deteriorate and that was all because of mankind's sin. And I know that this is like, you know, second, um, this is pretty obvious to a lot of us, but maybe some of us haven't heard this before, that we don't eat grass now because mankind chose to disobey God and now we eat other things. And it's not just that the grass has changed, our taste buds have changed for the worse. I wonder if you've ever thought about that, that, you know, we, we all know that we age, we get old and, you know, things start to hurt and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But have you ever considered that your taste buds have been corrupted because of sin? So now we don't like grass, not just because the ground has been cursed, but also our taste buds have deteriorated. They're not what they used to be when God made Adam and Eve. So why am I saying all this? Because back to what I said at the start, like when we look at heaven and we think about, you know, perfection, it's hard to understand perfection. So we're going to look at how bad we've become, essentially how far removed from perfection that we actually are. So if grass is just a simple thing that we can think about this morning and that's changed, what else has changed? What else is making us view heaven in maybe a different way? What else makes us question whether we're going to be bored in heaven? 
You know, thousands of years of our corrupted flesh and the corrupted earth means we're very far removed from the perfect, pure creation of God. Now, right now, I'm talking purely about our bodies, our flesh. You know, we, we are a three-part being. We have a body, soul, and spirit. And I'm talking right now about our body. And our body is the thing that is deteriorating, is corrupted because of sin. Uh, and we can see corruption through many things nowadays, through diseases. Hello, you're all wearing masks. Why are we wearing masks? There are diseases, and I understand there's you know, been diseases for many years and we don't have to wear masks, but it's, it's pretty obvious in our day and age now there's corruption, there's diseases, there's allergies, there's abnormalities. We age, we get old. Our bodies have become more and more dissatisfied with what God originally provided and therefore it desires different things to stimulate, entertain and satisfy it. And I, I hope that you think about that statement this morning, that you and me, our bodies are not what God intended them to be. Now, God, God didn't make sin, God didn't make corruption. You know, mankind chose to, to disobey God, and we've chosen to disobey God. It wasn't just Adam and Eve's fault. If we were in the garden, we would have done exactly the same thing. But where we are now with our body and, and the, the problems that we have with it and the fact that we crave certain things, I'm sure that we all crave certain you know, sweet things or some kind of food or something like that. That's our, our flesh that's been corrupted. God, in the, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden did not crave donuts and coffee <laughs> because their flesh was perfect. It had not started deteriorating. It was not separate from God. But now our flesh desires things and it's, it's yearning for things and it wants to be satisfied. It wants to be satisfied, you know, through our eyes and through our ears, through our senses. And, that's, that's, and having an understanding of that helps us to see how good heaven will actually be because we only have these things because we are corrupted. So if you think about that, we enjoy things now, but how much more will we enjoy things in heaven when there is no corruption? If we can, if we can enjoy things in our corrupted state, how much better when it's a pure, perfect state, that our body is pure and perfect, that the environment is pure and perfect, so talking about our flesh, Paul stated in Romans 7, For I know that in me, and he says that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good that comes from our flesh. When we just look at our flesh by itself, separate from our, our soul and our spirit, Paul's saying there's nothing good that just comes from that. Nothing. Without the spirit of God's influence, our corrupted body lusts after whatever will please it. And I'm sure if we we're all honest this morning, we say, yes, my, my body lusts after whatever will please it. Now, I'm not saying we always go to those things or we always do those things that our body desires, but our body does desire different things and, and it just wants to be pleased. It wants to be satisfied. So without God's spirit, it's just, it's just craving for things. It's craving for movies. It's craving, craving for music. It's craving for food. It's, it's craving for games and entertainment. It's craving to be satisfied. It's craving for substances. It's craving for experiences and many other things. And we're all in that boat. Our flesh over many years has been conditioned to desire comfort, entertainment and pleasure. So much that thinking of an eternity without these things can actually worry us. And I put my hand up. I say, I think I worry about whether I'm going to be bored in heaven because I rely on what my flesh desires too much. 
Now, are we going to be bored in heaven? Is there Wi-Fi in heaven? No. <laughs> There's no Wi-Fi, sorry. But you won't be thinking about that. You won't be in heaven, you know, wanting to check social media. You won't be in heaven, heaven wanting to even sit down and have a coffee and a cake. You won't be craving those things. You'll be craving fellowship with the Lord and you'll have it. It'll be right there before you. You won't have to, you know, wonder, is it going to happen? Is there going to be Wi-Fi or is there going to be fellowship? There's going to be fellowship with the Lord. It's going to be good. So these are the things we have to remind ourselves of. We're, just, we're so far removed from perfection, it's hard to understand perfection. So let's look at what has been corrupted. So as long as people assume that how our bodies operate now is how it's always been and the Spirit of God is kept out of a person's life, then the Garden of Eden in heaven will always seem like an uninteresting place. It will always seem like a boring place or a questionable place of do I want to be there if those things continue. And this is the kind of thought that's good to share with people who don't know the Lord. Ask them a question, like, what do you think about heaven? What do you, what do you think you would like to, to do in heaven? What do you think heaven is even about? Like, how, how different is heaven from earth? Like, ask, ask an unsaved person that. Ask someone that you know that. And this is the good stuff that you can, you can talk to them about and you can share with them. You can help them understand why the world is in the state it's in, why we have to wear masks, why we talk about diseases, why we get old and we start hurting. I mean, I'm turning 40 this year and, and I, for some of you, like, oh, that's not old, you're a spring chicken. Yeah, but I'm actually starting to hurt. Like, I never used to hurt before, but I'm starting to hurt. So you gotta ha- we've got to have this approach of understanding the world that we live in to have a perspective of heaven that is correct. I hope that makes sense. And we have to help people understand why they need the Spirit of God in their life because we are not just a body that has cravings and desires. There's opportunity to have the Spirit of God inside us as well. So that's, that's the first point, is that to see, have a correct heavenly perspective, we need to see the corruption. Secondly is this, we also need to, and this is more talking to the Christians this morning, we need to stay sober. Stay sober. I'm not talking about alcohol. <laughs> okay, we need to stay sober as in, in the term that the Bible uses about being sober, being vigilant. Uh, turn to Galatians 5 and we'll have a look at A couple of verses here, Galatians 5. And while you're turning there, you know, you can ask why is it important to have a correct perspective or a correct view toward heaven? It's because it's a place that God is preparing for us. It's our inheritance. You know, it's it's what we inherit. It's a place we're going to be for eternity. And, you know, eternity can seem, you know, scary. But if we're looking at it correctly, it can be a really good thing to think about. And thankfully, through Jesus Christ, God made a way to restore his spirit with mankind. So Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God. Then they were now separate from God. They had no direct fellowship with God. And uh, everyone that's born after them was in that same place. But through Jesus Christ, God restored that, which means the Christian now doesn't just operate based on what your body and what your flesh wants you now have the influence and the working of the Holy Spirit. So here in Galatians 5, in this passage, it's written specifically to Christians, people with the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfil the lust of the... What's the next word? Flesh. 
If you walk in the Spirit, you don't just fulfill what your body desires and craves. Keep looking at verse 17. For the flesh, flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There is, there is a, an opposite thing happening here. Our body wants one thing, but the Holy Spirit, God, he wants another thing to be happening in us and through us as Christians. If our body was left to itself, it would just be like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and it's like, no, 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 not gimme, gimme, gimme. Give, give, give. You know, fellowship with the Lord and do what I want you to do and, you know, follow what I say and all these sort of things. Not just like, you know, stuff your face with stuff and do whatever you want that makes you happy. There's a, there's a war going on. There's a fight going on. The flesh and the spirit. And the Bible says they're contrary to one another. Our spirit desires completely different things, or God's spirit desires completely different things than our flesh does. Now, why do you think it's so easy to fall asleep when you pray? Or when you read your Bible? Or dare I say it, when someone's preaching? <laughs> you can yawn now without me seeing, but you know, why is it so easy to do that stuff? Whereas if at the same time of the day we went, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie for two and a half hours, our eyes would be glued to the screen and barely blinking, not eating, and certainly not falling asleep. Unless you're my mum. What did he say? <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, isn't that just the truth? Like, man, how many times have I fallen asleep praying or reading my Bible? You know, and unfortunately, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to read my Bible because I need to get to sleep. Like, I know I will fall asleep when I read my Bible. You may have been guilty of that as well. But all I'm saying is, there's a war going on here. Your body doesn't want you to be spiritual, your body doesn't want you to be looking to heaven and spiritual things. Your flesh wants you to just focus on give me, give me, give me and don't think about anything else that's good. Don't think about anything else that's of a spiritual nature. So you can't do the things that you want to do. 1 Peter 5.8. You know, I said that our second point is to stay sober as a Christian. Well, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible instructs us to be sober because the devil would love nothing more than to have us focus on feeding our flesh and not things of a spiritual nature. What good would a soldier be if he'd been drinking so much alcohol that when he got out into the battlefield he was completely drunk? What good would that be? He'd be a danger to other people, but he'd also be a danger to himself. He's going to get himself hurt or if not killed. So the Bible talks here about being sober. And like I said, I'm not talking about alcohol here, but it, we, we understand, you know, someone who's drunk as opposed to someone who's sober in their right mind, their head's in the game, they're understanding what's important, they're putting the right things first, you know, having a heavenly perspective and not just looking on what's in front of us not just looking at what our, our flesh can grab and take and, and enjoy, but understanding that there's a spiritual side, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on. A good soldier, and we're, we're called soldiers in the Bible, a good soldier is a sober soldier, someone who identifies that there's a war going on, which is exactly what's taking place inside every single Christian, a war, a constant battle that continues as long as you live on earth. 
And, you know, that, that might sound very morbid or sad. Like, you mean as long as I live on this earth, I'm going to be fighting against myself? Yes. This is why it's important that we stay sober and realise that there is actually a fight going on so we can look toward heaven and get excited about it and not worry about it. That we can have a head in the game and go, okay, I understand that I'm on this earth right now, but my inheritance is actually in heaven. So I'm going to like, you know, wise up a little bit. I'm going to remember what is important a little bit. I'm going to put spiritual things first a little bit more. Have, I'll get you, get you to turn to First Peter chapter 2. And we'll have a look at a verse here, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. It says this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Your fleshly lusts, which are really lusts in the Bible, really means desires. Your, your body's desires war against your soul. There's a war going on for your soul between the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you, and your body. They're, they're contrary to one another and they're just fighting over your soul. Like, who's going who's gonna to win? Well, we, we all know who's going to win is the one that you feed more, right? But notice the Bible in this verse, 1 Peter 2.11, the Bible references the Christians as strangers and pilgrims. And that's another reminder that we're just passing through on this earth. We're not supposed to be investing everything into the things of this earth. We're supposed to be looking towards heaven. We're supposed to be reminded that actually our inheritance is in heaven. Our home is in heaven. Our eternity is in heaven. How long is eternity compared to the short time that we have on this earth? You can't measure it. Just like you can't describe what a new colour is. Just like you can't really describe what perfection is. Like it's kind of beyond our realm, beyond our capacity. But the Bible's really giving us a, an admonition here that we need to remember that we are passing through. So we need to stay sober and remember to have a heavenly perspective. Remember there's a fight going on inside your body. And, God, and, and really this should, be, this should be how we look at and how we interact with people that are not Christians. Understanding that this is the world that they live in. They're, they're living in the world of not having the Spirit of God influencing them and they're just working off what their body desires. And haven't we all been there? Haven't we all come from that point before we were saved? So that should help us understand their world a little bit more and help us to be a little more you know, caring, compassionate, and help us to try and take these truths and put, shed it in the light of the world that they now see. I mean, I shared with some of our high school students not long ago this you know, thought about that we used to be vegetarian we used to eat grass and stuff and they just they were like what like that's just stupid like completely absurd and and I, I could have been like well you, you know you're silly you just you're a non-christian you don't get it I could have been like that but I was like you know what this kid he has no idea he doesn't understand how far removed from perfection we are now in 2021 so I have to like explain to him you know what this this and this Sin did this and, and corrupted this, this and this, and that's why when you think about heaven, you're not interested in it because there are no video games. There are no cool parties and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That, that stuff's not there. And it's like, well, why would I want to go to heaven? So 
having this understanding and be able to explain this to non-saved people is really valuable. And we should have that in our heart to be able to explain these kind of things to, to those who are not saved. But it's also a warning and, a, and an admonition for us to, to be on top of it, be on top of our spiritual life. We're strangers and pilgrims. We should be looking toward heaven soberly and vigilantly. Which leads me to our last point this morning. So to gain a heavenly perspective, thirdly, we need to set our affection. Set our affection. Colossians 3.2 says this, and we've, we've looked at this verse many times over the years. It says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. If we don't understand our bodies are corrupted and we don't realise that there's a war within us, then our affection will only ever be on the things that are right in front of us. Our affection will only ever be on the things that are within our grasp, the things that we can see with our eyes, the things that we can taste with our mouth and, and hear with our ears and all these sorts of things. If, if, we're never looking at, if we're never looking above, we're only going to be looking right in front of us. And that, as a, as a Christian, can be a real problem. Matthew 6, I won't get you to turn there either. Matthew 6, I'm trying to be quick this morning because you're wearing masks. Matthew 6, verse 20 and 21 says this, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, as we're obviously corrupted here, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If we draw close to the heart of God and desire what he desires and cares about, care about the things that he cares about, then your affection will be set on things above. And that war that you, you fight becomes a bit of an easier battle. Because if we're looking at you know, a heavenly perspective, if we're looking at what God's got prepared for us, if we're looking at you know, the things that God cares about, you know, getting souls saved and you know, living the Christian life that pleases the Lord and, and drawing closer to him, if we're thinking about all that stuff, then we're not being distracted with the stuff that a pilgrim might get distracted with passing through a, a town or a city. But they've set their direction, they've set their course. And that's what we as Christians need to do when we think about heaven. We need to be setting our mind and our heart and our sights on our heavenly home. So that when we walk through this earth, that we've got our perspective correctly and we can help other people to see the same thing that we're seeing. Whether it's another Christian or whether it's someone who's not a Christian. If we have our sights set on heaven, then we can help others to get their sights set on heaven. I hope that makes sense. The thing is, you can't know what God desires and cares about if you're only fulfilling what you desire and care about. It's hard to set your affection on God if you're only just setting your affection on things that you like. So it takes getting to know him and it takes getting to know his word. And, you know, I looked at this verse, Colossians 3, 2, set your affection on things above. When I see that word set, the thing that comes to my mind, and you might think I'm odd, but the thing that comes to my mind is the cruise control function of a car. You can, you know, you get up to speed on the highway, 130, if you're a teenager or if you're someone that's very responsible like me, 100, then you can set that speed to 100, you can take your foot, off the pedal and you can just continue to cruise. You've set your course, you've set your speed, 
And yeah, you know, if you really wanted to, you could slow down, you can look around, you can get distracted by things or whatever. Obviously, you drive safe, you don't, you don't want to run in front of the car in front of you, but you're already set. So you've decided beforehand. It's like David purposing in his heart beforehand what he's going to do when he comes up with it, when, when a problem arises. So setting our affections, setting it on, on heaven, on our heavenly home, helps us to pass through this place correctly, pleasing God doing what we're supposed to be doing. So I wonder if that's you. How does this plan play out in the Christian life, practically? Very quickly, a couple of things. Well, it can be something as simple as this, planning your day with, with time spent with God. That feeds your spirit, not your flesh. That's putting heaven in today. Does that make sense? Putting heaven in today by spending time with God purposing to have a spiritual interaction with someone instead of just hanging out. I'm all for hanging out. I love hanging out. I love going for coffee. I love, you know, mucking around with people, whatever, whatever. But we need to purpose to look for spiritual engagements in those times as well. Because what good is it if we, as a Christian, just go through our life and get together with a lot of people and have a lot of fun with a lot of people, but we never have any spiritual interaction with them how are we really setting our sights on heaven? How are we helping them to set their sights on heaven? You know, we think about this as leaders in our youth group all the time. What good is it if we just come together on a Friday night or whenever and just enjoy ourselves, but we never actually open the word and have spiritual conversations? We're not doing any favours to anyone, to ourselves or to those people. So we need to purpose to have spiritual interactions to set our affections on things above. And thirdly, getting involved in the work of the Lord at some level, whatever it is, using what you have for his glory, for the furtherance of the gospel. And you might say, oh, I can't do much. Well, what can you do? These, these are little things that you can, you can do to set your affection on things above. Second Peter 3 says this, Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness now the christian understands or should understand that what we have now is not how god intended life on earth however we get to hold on to his promise of an eternal home without corruption and we get to share that good news with those that we come across as pilgrims in this life so really just a couple of simple points this morning nothing too deep but just a reminder that you know we can be excited about heaven and maybe you already are excited about heaven but maybe there, it comes a, a time in your life that you don't get so excited and, and you're getting a little bit focused on other things. Well, just remember some of these things. Just see how corrupted we are. Appreciate what's good by how bad things have got. You know, stay sober. Remember that there's a war going on. There's a battle fighting for your attention, for your soul, and also to set your affection on things above and not just what's in front of us. So that's it from me this morning. I'm going to pray and uh, then we're going to conclude our service today. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again uh, for this opportunity to open your word. And Lord, I do thank you that your word has so much for us to learn from, to glean from, and uh, to grow in. Father, I pray you'd help each of us this morning, myself included, to remember these things uh, when we do get uh, distracted by other affections in this world, Lord. 
perhaps when your voice goes a little bit silent in our life, we know it, we know it's not because you've gone silent, Lord. Sometimes it's because we've let other things crowd crowd in. I pray you'd help us to to purify that, purify our motives, Lord. Help us to be aware of the things that our our body, our flesh desires and lusts after. Help us to identify those things that might be a problem, Lord, and and Father, to seek your help and uh, to put you first in our life and in our day, Lord God. Uh, Father, I thank you for heaven. I thank you for the fact you prepared a place for us. Thank you that uh, you were the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and that you were never going to leave us without you or an opportunity to be with you. And so, Father, we just thank you for these things today. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us, Lord, to use what we've heard this morning and even at other times, Lord, to, to please you in our life this week, uh, how we go out into our days. And we just pray you'd help us to, to share this news with other people, to share the love of Jesus Christ with others and help us to understand how others view this world, how others view their life and help us to help them put it into perspective, Lord God. So, Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray you continue to bless the rest of our day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, church. Well, really only have one announcement this morning.